you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still vaccinated, still hoping to get back outside and still dodging the Delta like Neo in the Matrix. Uh, Although now we've got Delta Plus, which sounds like a really whack subscription service Um, and so many other things. coming up. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We got another fun show for you today as uh, training camp rolls along. uh, Producer Justin is alongside as always. Uh, We are glad to be back with you two times a week now. That is uh, for from now until the foreseeable future, till either they kick us off the air or till next season ends, whichever comes first. Um, 
glad to be joined by a guy who I guess now, because this is his second appearance, can officially be classified as a friend of the show. Uh, a guy who I've watched, I've seen his career sort of blossom and continue to bubble and continue uh, to grow. He writes uh, at 4 for 4 among a number of other places. I believe uh, contributor at NBC Sports Edge, too, if I'm not mistaken as yes, well. Uh, it is Chris Allen. I'm sure I've left something out of the bio. Please fill in uh, the gaps that I have missed. Uh, the only other spot that I'm currently contributing to is the one that's like right over my shoulder right there would be the football guys uh, I'm over there as well. But uh, Marcus, I really appreciate you bringing me on today. And for those of you listening at home, I'm just going to I'm going to geek out for a second and go 100 <laughs> percent fanboy for just a few minutes here, because let's say not just like three seasons ago. I was listening to an NFL podcast that was headlined by the folks that are currently known as the the fantasy stronghold. It was, <laughs> I mean, lead, I'm led by folks like yourself, Marcus. I mean, there's a wonderful gentleman by the name of Matt Harmon, Alex Gelhar, James Coe, Matt Franciscovich. I mean, so many of those guys that I, I mean, quote unquote, grew up listening to fantasy football and getting that fantasy football news from. And now I get a chance to talk with you. I've been had a chance to I just did a show with Matt Harmon uh, about a week ago. I did a show with James Coe about two, three weeks ago. So it's just for me being able to talk with the folks that I came up in the industry listening to. It's just it's a dream come true to me. So I'm happy to get this chance to talk with you today. Well, dude, I am I'm I'm honored. I'm flattered. Uh, I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to see you kind of just blossom and continue to grow. Uh, and I will say, I, we are always. You, you talk about James and Matt and and Alex and and, and franchise. We are always still sort of amazed uh, at how much of an impact we made. Uh, I will tell you mm -hmm. that in in my career, uh, certainly doing this, um, that period of my life was maybe the most fun I've ever had. Uh, and uh, no, it showed. I still remember so many of those outtakes like from, <laughs> from the shows and and all that other stuff. So yeah, I, I believe it 100. percent you guys will be glad to know, anybody listening out there, too, that uh, we all still talk pretty regularly and uh, we all still make a lot of the same stupid inside jokes that we get <laughs> on the show. So some things never really change. Um, all right, let's let's talk some football. Let's start off with uh, some training camp bits here. And um, I had the chance to talk to Michelle Majuk on Tuesday and we talked about, you know, how much stock you should put into preseason news bits. I mean, I know we all tend to go crazy for it because especially once we hit August, we're just sort of thirsty for any kind of news. Um, but, you know, some headlines here that I think are sort of interesting and kind of wanted to get your take on them. The first one uh, I know sort of hits close to home for you with the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I know these struggles of being a Bengals fan. It's sort of a love-hate relationship. Uh, but the news coming out about the Bengals offense so far in camp has not been particularly good. Uh, stories of them just looking disjointed and and inconsistent. And Joe Burrow sort of being at the center of that has uh, had issues with interceptions, issues with inconsistency. Um, this was a guy that we all sort of liked. We saw what he did last year before he got hurt, and we were hopeful for what he can be this year. How concerned are you when you are hearing or reading these stories about Burrow and his struggles right now? I'll be at least uh, I'll be honest and say that I am somewhat concerned. I will say that my eyebrow is like a little bit raised, like when I see some of those stories. But I do need to keep in context the other uh, fact that this is the season that he's coming off of that gruesome knee injury against he sustained against Washington last season. They've now added in what I guess multiple pieces along the offensive line or they've had guys coming back from injury. They're adding in Jamar Chase as well, who we think is going to be at least a, a 
positive for that offense, but it's going to take time for them to at least get up to speed together now at the NFL level. So it's just, I can understand like today, like today, August 5th, I understand like some of those concerns that he's been trying to push himself back into being ready to start for the Cincinnati Bengals since uh, I think he just got cleared. What was it? Maybe a couple months ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's just it makes sense that this is where the offense is at. But if you compare that to all of the other training camp stories that we've been hearing from pretty much any other team, maybe minus the Giants, but we've heard (laughs) positive things out of most of the camps, even some of the rookie quarterbacks have coming out. Trevor Lawrence is getting like glowing reviews. I mean, even Zach Wilson to some degree is already starting to connect with his wide receivers after his holdout situation. So it's just, it seems like the Bengals are lagging behind. But the one thing that I did catch, this was from uh, Paul Denner Jr. at The Athletic, was that he noted that this is the first week of camp. It's also the first week where they're essentially installing the offense, where it's just they're running a specific number of plays, a specific set of plays. So it's not like a game, like a live game situation where the quarterback can check in and out of plays and like move the offense like he would want to. So I can understand why there might be some frustration because they're still trying to feel each other out. They're trying to figure out the timing, the synchronicity of how that offense is supposed to move, so on and so forth. So I get it. So again, on August 5th, I'm okay with it. Now, if we're still hearing these stories on August 25th, then of course, then I, now I'm just going to be, okay, I'm just going to prepare myself for another like letdown for the season and we'll go from there. But for right now, I think I'm kind of okay with it. I'm still hoping that they come out with their high volume passing, so on, and then we continue to see more of that wide receiver trio, Joe Mixon involved as well, and everything will be okay once the season starts because it's not going to be easy I think they open against Minnesota, Chicago, and I believe it's uh, also Pittsburgh, I think, in in week three. So it's not going to be an easy start to the season, but at least if they have some of those core concepts installed and ready to go, it won't be as tough sledding as we think it can be right now. Well, the one thing that uh, Burrow has over, say, Daniel Jones is that Joe Burrow has not been in the bottom of a pile with a brawl going on. (laughs) So so he kind of has that working for him there. I I do think, look, there is some something to be said for letting him sort of work his way back in and kind of get get ready. Uh, You know, some of the reports almost seem like it's it's still a little bit in his head, the injury. And, they, and look, mm-hmm. he, he wouldn't be the first person in the history of pro sports to sort of have to battle that mental part. But you, know, you hear stories of him sort of you know, maybe walking gingerly or stepping out of the way or, or maybe letting the ball go early. Just, you know, perhaps it, it is sort of in his head about this knee injury and trying to protect himself. And so if he can get comfortable again, Maybe he goes back to being the guy that we saw, you know, that last year at LSU and, and you know, for the first part of the season last year before he got hurt. You mentioned Jamar Chase and, you know, Chase is sort of the new headliner in that wide receiver core. But look, T Higgins is a very good player. Tyler Boyd is a good player there. As you are sort of tempering your expectations and, and taking all these reports with a grain of salt, does that apply to how you feel about these wide receivers as well when you're looking at drafting them? Somewhat, because Jamar Chase, I think currently where he's going at in drafts was already at like a pretty high like high draft cost, as, at least as compared to the other guys. I'm more into T. Higgins myself just because of the data that supports like a second year breakout like T. Higgins. And we saw what his production even looked like with whether it was Andy Dalton, whether it was Ryan Finley, whether it was that weird like Brandon Allen game that was thrown in like towards <laughs> the back end of the season. So like all of that goes to point towards like Higgins kind of reproducing that and actually ascending or like moving past what he did last year. So I'm still in on T. 
Tyler Boyd, we know what his role is, primarily playing out of the slot. We at least can associate like most of those targets, uh, like from Joe Burrow, like uh, some of those, like to Tyler, uh, to Tyler Boyd. So I can see him continuing to produce. It's just Chase that I have the most concern about, just given the opportunity cost with drafting him. It's he's going to be his rookie season, regardless of the connection that him and Burrow had when they were at LSU. We're at least a, like almost two years removed from that. So it's just I can see Chase maybe having a slow start to the season, especially against some of those defensive coverages that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But maybe towards the back end of the season after they get more reps they're seeing they've seen more live action together that might start to click and then we can at least see chase as being the guy that we want to draft in 2022 are you sort of surprised with tyler boyd because it just seemed like a a few years ago we were talking about him as sort of being the successor to aj green uh, Mm -hmm. in that Bengals offense now all of a sudden you know t higgins shows up uh we love t higgins now jamar chase is there and he has sort of become you know the, the king of the of the depth chart there um I mean, I don't I don't really have a question other than just what happened. I have no idea what happened to Tyler Boyd in that stretch. I feel like it's just more of our connection to like the shiny things like mm-hmm. in the in receiving course. It's almost the same way that I look at the Dallas trio where it's like we're we're focused on CD Lamb. We know Amari Cooper can be good, but Michael Gallup is the one that kind of gets left out in the cold, even though like he still produced like down the stretch, like with again, Andy Dalton. But still, <laughs> it's just we tend to focus on those guys versus the guy that we think at least can have at least some sort of production like here and there with especially but especially with Tyler Boyd we know those slot targets can at least produce like more yards after the catch we can see him like at least still being involved in the red zone and all that so I'm not entirely sure like he's been the guy that I've been targeting the most in drafts to be honest just because the price differential between him and the other two receivers that are currently going ahead of him in drafts is just so wide I'll take the value with Boyd versus trying to figure out you know should I get Higgins should I get Chase it's just I'll just take Boyd almost two, three rounds later. This time last year, I was calling Michael Gallup the Jan Brady of fantasy football because you know, we, <laughs> were, we were really talking about him. And like maybe yeah. Tyler Boyd, maybe Tyler Boyd slots into that category, too, right. uh, as the guy who you know, look, he, there's something there. Uh, we just seem to be enamored with the other two guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, so Tariq Cohen uh, dealing with an ACL injury. He is on the pup list. Apparently, he is weeks away from being activated. Look, I think best case for Tariq Cohen, you were talking about taking him late. You were sort of playing for him as being you know, the pass catching guy and giving you that that sort of PPR upside. Now it looks like Damian Williams is stepping in there and actually doing pretty well in his stead there in training camp. But but my bigger question is, are we undervaluing David Montgomery? Because last year when Cohen went out, Montgomery caught the ball very effectively. He had a nice schedule that he took advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a fairly nice schedule this year. I mean, should we be giving him more love than we are right now? I think collectively we should, or I guess subjectively we should, but objectively, like where he's currently going in drafts, it's hard for me to push him ahead some of the guys that he's currently being drafted around. Uh, I've typically been drafting over an underdog just because I love their, like, I love the app. Right. I, I just can't, I can't get more like, uh, you know, it's just so easy to just like, oh, I want to draft a team right now. But where he's currently going in in drafts, so at just right behind guys like J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson, but right ahead of guys like Miles Sanders. I mean, Daryl Henderson, who I would actually probably prefer Daryl Henderson, but that's just my personal preference. Mm-hmm. But it's just the the company that he keeps in terms of ADP makes it hard for me to justify taking him ahead of those guys. But I totally understand from a workload perspective why you would want to. There's really zero competition in terms of him not taking or not being able to earn like the majority of the rushing attempts. And then even if Tariq Cohen is out, 
I get that Damian Williams is still a part of that offense and like or Damian Williams is now a part of that offense. He should be in line for passing down work as well. But from a red zone perspective, like the money touches that we want, I can't see at least a, a scenario where Damian Williams completely separates himself from David Montgomery and now gets the the touches that we need like for a running back. So I totally understand. If anything, I do think of this as a situation where I think we're undervaluing Damian Williams just mm. because he's had the entire season off. I get that he's 29 years old, but we're only like two seasons removed of him at least again in my mind he should have been uh the Super Bowl MVP when they when they when the Kansas City won, but I still think now we're undervaluing Damian Williams considering he goes so far like so deep in drafts. It's just an easy smash like for me to go and take him as your RB4, RB5 or something like that if you're talking about a best ball build. So I think he's – I think uh, going back to Montgomery, I think he's appropriately valued, but mm. I can see a scenario where he winds up jumping some of those other guys just because of the workload that he might be afforded. But I think really it just comes down to when is Justin Fields going to start because if yeah. he winds up starting earlier – you know, the impact of mobile quarterbacks or at least the possibility of fields like you know being more mobile. We know that impact on the running back. So we'll just see how that works out, how that plays out in the, uh, during the season. I, I think I think what you touched on to the, the important part for me, at least, was when you talk about you know, where do you put David Montgomery in the, the pecking order in the rankings? It is mm-hmm. like, OK, well, who do you put who do you put him ahead of? Um, and I think that's I think that's sort of the issue here is that we might like David Montgomery and we might like what he can do. Um, but it is a matter of, OK, well, who do you move down? Um, yeah. You know, and I, I've, I've noticed that I've, I've felt the same way with, say, like wide receivers. Right. When you're trying to put together your top 10 wide receivers, somebody really good is probably going to get left out of that top 10. And it's like, well, what do I do? Who do I, who right. do I move yeah. down? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think Montgomery has sort of become that guy. But, hey, maybe that works out. Maybe that maybe somebody ends up getting a value pick. Uh, if if things turn out well, and and the Damian Williams thing is, I think, really interesting too, because you're right. Uh, a couple years ago, um, yeah, we were really big on him. The way he finished out the season, the way he mm-hmm. played in the postseason, he was really, really good. Uh, and yeah, maybe he is 29, but maybe we can roll it back to 28 since he uh, since he took a year off. Maybe exactly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. it's one one less uh, one less year on the legs. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Uh, all right. We have football-like substance on our televisions tonight. Uh, the Hall of Fame game uh, will be played on Thursday night between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't want to – I mean, I guess it is football, but it's football-like substance because we're, I know we're not going to see a lot of the headliners very long, if at all. But, you know, one, we are thirsty for, for football – uh, so a lot of us are going to tune in and watch it. And there is something to be, I think, gleaned from these games. For you, what kind of things are you going to be watching for when you turn this on? Uh, two things in particular. One would be how each offense like behaves. Like what are the play calling tendencies during the game itself? Like while I don't think that there's going to be any sort of special packages or trick plays or any of that stuff that are going to be shown like by either offense, it's more about what are their like base like rates in terms of like passing, rushing, how are they behaving like once they get into the red zone. That's really what I'm going to be paying attention to like for both offenses because we know at least for Dallas. Regardless of, because we already know like Dak Prescott isn't going to be there, Amari Cooper, most of the like, uh, not most of, but maybe a couple of their starting offensive linemen, we know those guys aren't going to be there. But we do need to see if they're still going to be at least up tempo in terms of their offense. Are they going to be passing more so than they're going to be rushing? So at least that gives us some sort of confidence that they're still going to be doing the same things that they were doing before everybody, like essentially everybody got injured last year. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. The other part is going to be, well, who are the ancillary receivers that are going to be involved? And actually the back end of the ancillary receivers, right? Like uh, who is it? Simi Feoko. That's a part of the Dallas, uh, the Dallas wide receiver core. Uh, I think it was fourth or fifth round receiver. If I'm not mis- mistaken when they drafted him, but is he going to be involved and how does he produce? So any of the backups, like the guys that, you know, in case of emergency, break glass like type of guys, like if <laughs> everybody were to go down, who's the guy that we want to try and target like off our waiver wires, like during the middle or back, like back end of the season. So those are the guys I'm going to try and have my eye on. And if there's anybody that starts to stand out again, just put a little, you know, mental check, you know, in, in the back of your head. And if something were to happen, then those would be the guys that we try and target on our waiver wires. Uh, I know that the Steelers have said, Mike Tomlin said that they want Najee Harris to play in all the preseason games. Uh, I, I don't think that means we're going to see a lot of him necessarily, especially mm-hmm. tonight. I can't imagine it. Um, but but how interested are you to kind of watch him and, and see uh, you know, if he can be the guy we want him to be? 
That's actually a key point. Like if he does wind up playing or at least at any point during the preseason is how does he handle contact? Does he, is he able to break through tackles and also how much is he going to be used in the passing game? Because that's really essentially what's propping up a lot of his draft costs right now. Cause in most, uh, in most drafts, regardless of if it's half PPR, full PPR or whatever, I mean, he still has that second round draft capital associated like with him. So we really need him to be a pass catcher, at least like heavily involved in the passing game in order to pay that off. Cause we're not expecting at least the Pittsburgh Steelers offense as a whole to be a juggernaut like has like it has been in years past. So I really need to see that opportunity for him. So if we're seeing some checkdowns from Ben or like Mason Rudolph, who I'm assuming is going to be playing tonight, that's what I need to see out of him. And if that becomes the case, then yes, I'll buy into more of his like rookie season workload. All right. Uh, I know I know people love him. I've seen his ADP continually rising throughout the summer. Uh, and uh, it'll be fun to see what happens tomorrow, because if he you know, if he plays great uh, in his limited time, that ADP is going to go up even more. If he has mm-hmm. one bad if he has one bad play, you know, somebody on Twitter is going to freak out and be like, I told you. Of course. Bad, yeah. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> that's just how <laughs> we operate. Um wanted to talk to you about some of the stuff you've written over at four for four lately because you you kind of hit quarterbacks a lot in in recent weeks and so uh you did a list of quarterbacks who are overvalued and one of the names on that list was justin herbert how much hate did you get in your mentions when you put that out there uh, a little bit uh, i'm not gonna <laughs> lie uh, and some folks like coming at me in like some dm threads that i'm attached to like hey man i heard you said some stuff about my chargers no I, and i understand and i'm actually one of those folks that i still believe in the chargers offense and that's what makes writing that piece like every year like something of a difficulty because it, you're essentially and i think this is the way i open the article it's like you're walking a tightrope Because all of the guys that I typically write up when I do that piece, they're drafted in the top 12 or even like the top eight, like every like during this, like in the during the offseason. But I'm actually like I'm in on some of those guys, too. I've talked about Aaron Rodgers. I talked about Justin Herbert and like Jalen Hurts, but Herbert, especially because, yeah, I bought into him last season. I mean, after the. Terod Taylor thing, he gets thrown in at the last minute. I mean, and then completely balls out for the rest of the season. And he. I think uh, to me, me personally, I think Justin Jefferson should have got rookie of the year, but I understand like why they gave it to Herbert. Totally get it. But the kid played well, like a, almost a complete 180 from what folks thought of him coming out of college. All good things. But when you talk about overvalued quarterbacks, it's not necessarily the fact that they're going to bust. It's just that, well, if you're drafting him at QB six and you're thinking that they could ascend into QB three, but you should also at least consider the fact that they could slide three spots in the other direction and maybe finish as QB9, QB10, QB11. So that's really why I write that piece is to just tell folks like, hey, consider the full range of outcomes instead of just saying, well, I'm going to draft this guy high because I think he can go even higher. Well, if he can go even higher, he can also you know, go a bit lower as well because just because the, the statistical probability of that happening. So with Justin Herbert, it's especially uh, especially possible because of the play caller that they currently have there. They bring in Joe Lombardi, who again it was he was associated with Drew, B, Drew Brees like throughout the most of his career, and all good things to come from like Drew Brees. I mean, we're talking about just pinpoint accuracy. I mean, we've seen his connection with Michael Thomas. I mean, all I mean, everything is good at a macro level. But then when you zoom in and you compare that to what Justin Herbert did or how he operated last season, almost a complete stylistic difference between those two offensive play calling types. 
the Chargers last season, they were up pace in terms of like neutral passing rate, uh, like neutral pace, like uh, the neutral pace, like during uh, neutral situations in games. I mean, all of it, and even like rushing attempts as well, because we saw a little bit of mobility out of Justin Herbert. None of that has been the case for Joe Lombardi and the Saints. They operate at a slower pace because at least for them, they knew that Drew Brees could get the ball wherever they needed to, as long as it was within like 10 yards, you know, from the line of scrimmage. I mean, (laughs) But all of those things, it's just it makes it harder for me to buy into at least the fact that Herbert can hit his ceiling versus it being possible that, hey, maybe they start off slow. Maybe Herbert winds up having to you know take a couple of steps back while he's still figuring out the offense. We might see more of a resurgence towards the middle of the season. The analogy that I gave I gave in the piece was just that maybe everybody should remember that first like six weeks or so with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, where it was slow, more rushing production than passing production. Odell gets hurt, but then after those wev- bad weather games in weeks ten and week twelve, the offense took off, and then they wind up giving the Chiefs a run for their money in the playoffs. I can see the same situation happening for the Chargers and Herbert. It's just that. We're drafting him at what QB six, QB seven, like right around where Russell Wilson goes, and he could still finish high, but it could be QB nine, QB ten, something like that. So it's just something to consider. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I think I know this time of year we love talking up players, right? And I, I tweeted the other day that you know, we're at the point in the year where uh, I can throw out probably any offensive skill position player on any roster, and somebody will make a case for why that player should be drafted because we always we're so optimistic this time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly because if you write something negative, then you get called a hater, uh, and your yes. mentions are, are are a firestorm, and it's awful and it's ugly. But whatever. Um, but I do think it's worth taking into account the potential. I, I don't want to say downside, right? Because if you're still talking about Justin Herbert as like the QB nine or ten, like that's a pretty good year. Right. Um, but I will ask. But I will ask you though. You, you talk about Joe Lombardi and what it was like with that Saints offense and and how they were a little bit slower paced. Do you foresee potentially then a little bit of extra love for a guy like Austin Eckler? who, you know, we're starting to sort of call Alvin Kamara light a little bit. Can he pick up that slack if they're not necessarily forcing the ball downfield, if they're doing different things? Does that mean Eckler ends up eating a little more? Absolutely, because the type of offensive scheme that Lombardi runs, this is like getting like way more into like the X's and O's portion, which I dabble in. I don't 100 percent understand. But uh, (laughs) so I think if I remember correctly, Lombardi runs an Earhart Perkins system that's slightly different than what uh, Justin Herbert has done. And so like when uh, actually flipped that Air Coriel system and like Mm -hmm. Justin uh, and Herbert actually ran a Earhart Perkins system last year. (laughs) But in that system or in that scheme, rather, like part of their read or like the first reads is the running back and the tight end. So which all sounds great. And we actually saw most of that. Like that's why Alvin Kamara was getting targeted like so much. And we saw like more at least historically with some of the great tight ends that the Saints have produced in the past. We're still holding out hope for Adam Troutman. (laughs) But that at least bodes well for a guy like uh, Austin Eckler, who's that's really what we want out of him. I know that they're still expecting guys like Larry Roundtree and then also, uh, let's say, Joshua Kelly to kind of play that goal line, like short yardage role. But Austin Eckler should still be the guy eating it up between the 20s, still being involved in the passing game because that's essentially what that scheme has been predicated on. So, yeah, if you're if I like me personally, if I'm less on Justin Herbert, then, of course, the focus then should shift to the running game, because at least at this at this time, we know that Austin Eckler is the starter. We know that he has been and should continue to be a part of the passing game. And they're also now a part of a scheme that f- at least 
focuses on that position as being a part of the passing game. So I think it all arrows do indicate that Eckler, even if there is a downshift in production from Herbert just to start the season, that at least should shift over to at least passing production or at least receiving production for Austin Eckler to start off the season. Love him. Love <laughs> that. At the, as though I wasn't excited enough about Austin Eckler. Right. There, yeah. There's, there's, well, there's, 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 I mean, those workout videos, I mean, they already had us pumped like for right? Eckler already. So it's just exactly. like, that's that just more fuel to the fire. More fuel to the fire is all it is. Uh, another thing you wrote about was uh, potential quarterback breakouts. And what I thought was interesting was that you included three veteran guys there. Uh, and look, to be, you weren't suggesting that all of a sudden, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kirk Cousins, or Derek Carr was going to be knocking on the door like the top five or anything. You, you kind of had them listed as sort of QB2 potential breakouts. But when you look at that group, is there one that you look at and says, this guy does have some fringe QB1 potential if things sort of break right this year? Yeah, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick definitely has that because he has been that in the past. I think over the last two, two and a half seasons, we've seen like 30 starts from Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's finished as a QB1 in 11 of those starts. So just about over a third of those starts, like he's wound up as a QB1. So from whether it's been with Tampa, whether it's now when he was down in Miami, essentially like replacing Tua or getting benched for Tua, regardless of the game, like, you know, <laughs> depends on which game you're talking about, you know, throwing touchdowns with like his, what, face mask, getting like ripped to the side. <laughs> and just all those other things that get associated with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We've seen him ball out like year, year over year. And so now you move him from a situation where at the end of last season, what Tua was passing to, who was a Jakeem Grant, mm -hmm. uh, Mac Hollins, some of those guys. And now you move him to a situation where his starting wide receiver is Terry McLaurin. He, assuming he comes back or gets off pup, Curtis Samuel's involved. We love Logan Thomas. And then, oh, by the way, you get a wide receiver converted running back who's actually starting to ascend more as a, as a running back in Antonio Gibson. So it's just you surround him with these playmakers at least a decent offensive line. And then now you have the makings of what could be a guy that knocks on the QB one door on a weekly basis and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And now I know that after last season, some folks can be concerned about just the Washington offense as a whole, but I think you do at least need to contextualize like what they had to do. I almost think about it as the way that uh, Matt Nagy has been essentially almost like, you know, had his hands tied behind his back by the quarterbacks that he's had to you know throw out there on the field. <laughs> Same thing with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, because who were they starting last season? It was, what Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, <laughs> Alex Smith. Uh, just how can you really run a functional offense when you're having to rely on guys like that? I mean, I mean, all hail to Alex Smith, like the late round QB goat. But still, it's we can't really wind up like converting some of that into fantasy production if those are the guys that are slinging the ball around the field. So all of their stuff from like all of their efficiency metrics from last season, I think, can essentially be tossed out because they were slower. I mean, slower in terms of neutral pace and neutral passing than they have been in years past. Red zone passing, offensive efficiency, pretty much every single metric that you would look for in an, in an offense took a step back. And that was highly correlated to the fact that these are the quarterbacks they were trotting out. So now if you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, while he has, he is considered to be somewhat of a gunslinger, he's at least been more accurate, more efficient as a passer, and he's been able to at least operate well in the red zone. And oh, by the way, it's still for regardless of how old he is, the dude is still running down the field like a crazy person. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. I'm 38 years old. I'm not doing any of that, like what he's doing out there in the field. But he still like puts his body on the line like whenever he feels like it. So it's just... That's the type of quarterback that you would want in order to activate and enable those pass catchers. Because, heck, we're still talking about guys like Deami Brown as possible, mm -hmm. like draft targets late in drafts. I mean, so if you're talking about rookie wide receiver threes 
as guys that you can potentially draft, you know you should be in on that passer at that point. So that's why at least Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think at the very least, like while his floor might not be there, given the right matchup, and we know that Washington, considering they're beginning playing against Philadelphia twice, Dallas twice. So I can see them as at least see Fitzpatrick as being the guy that we turn to as at the very least a streamer with quarterback one upside on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, he absolutely has great streaming potential. I mean, I I, I keep saying that I don't want him as my weekly starting quarterback because mm-hmm. I prefer my roller coasters at amusement parks and not yes. on my fantasy <laughs> roster. But on any given week, you know that he's got that potential to go out. You know, like any any given week with the right matchup, Ryan Fitzpatrick can go out and put up a 30-point fantasy game for you. Like, mm-hmm. it is very, very possible. Um, the fear is you put him in there and he gives you, like, one of those 12s or right. something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason that we love all the pieces around him. There's a reason that you know we're super excited about Terry McLaurin and and why I would love a, a healthy Curtis Samuel in this offense and even a Logan Thomas who last year uh Logan Thomas had felt like for a good portion of the season was just out there getting his steps in because he was running mm-hmm. routes but oh, they yeah. weren't looking in his direction now they've got a quarterback that can get him the football and get him the football downfield and we know Fitz is not afraid to throw the ball into traffic no, no. fear about that whatsoever so that does that that really elevates everybody in that group so uh i'm excited i don't know i'm, I'm really excited kind of about this washington offense i think they could be really fun to watch this year which is kind of weird to say especially well actually not that weird considering what they almost they almost toppled the uh the bucks like in the playoffs like last mm-hmm. year then that was with heineke so i can get why like folks would be excited about them and i know that some of the detractors might say well if we look at washington's defense we know that's going to at least cap like some of that upside. I'm not essentially I'm not really on that train because if if we're worried about defenses stopping the potential, I guess, productivity of the offense, then that means that you're definitely not drafting any of the Steelers. You're not drafting any of the Rams. You're not drafting any of the Ravens. I mean, there's so many other good defenses out there with fantasy assets that we continually draft high year over year. So if you're worried about the Washington defense really capping the upside of all those guys, then you better not be in on any of those offenses either because you got to keep that same energy, bro. And like just because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why this offense would be the one that you want to be out on. Right. No, that makes plenty of sense. I, I, I can appreciate that. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, so on Tuesday, I asked Michelle Majuk about, uh, you know, who's going to break out. And I, I, I put the question to her, you know, who's more likely to break out, uh, Daniel Jones or Drew Locke? She very Ooh. grudgingly, she very grudgingly <laughs> took Daniel Jones. She wasn't happy about it, but that was the direction she went. You do have Daniel Jones as a potential breakout candidate. Uh, you seem a slightly more enthusiastic. And I just want to hear you make the case for why we should buy in on Danny Dimes this year. I'm trying to squint and see, especially I'm trying to squint from the bottom <laughs> of a pile, apparently at the Giants practice and see how this could potentially work out. But this was before I wrote this before the Kenny Galladay injury, mm-hmm. the apparently just complete mishaps that have been happening at practice. Apparently Kadarius Tony, like still can't con- seem to get on pace with the rest of with his quarterbacks, whatever. But from <laughs> Daniel Jones specifically, Back in his rookie season, uh, one of the studies that I had done for 444 at least looks at first year, uh, first year efficiency from a quarterback and looks at like how that affects like their at least their efficiency moving forward over the next like, couple of seasons. And Daniel Jones, at, like with his EPA per play, it did show that he was at least above average like for the for his rookie class. So at least there at least that gives us something. But also with the injuries and stuff that were sustained last season to Saquon Barkley among the rest of the folks, I can understand like why he wound up taking a step back. And he took a huge step back. Mm-hmm. He was already at or just below the line in terms of touchdown rate, which essentially just how many touchdowns you score divided by pass attempts. I think he actually dropped from about like 4.5, 4.6, all the way down to like two and some change. So if you want to play the bet that his touchdown rate would increase, also, his rushing comes back because we saw that during the 2019 campaign with the pass catchers that they've invested in over the offseason. At least that at least gives me some optimism for him. That's purely an analytical take because everything else sounds awful like coming out of there. <laughs> Jason Garrett insisting that you know, you have to call him coach and like all this other stuff. It just seems like a wild ride like out like out in New Jersey, like out of East Rutherford. I, I, I don't want anything else to do with it, but I will say at least his profile marks him as somebody that could wind up having a breakout season all right that's fair enough i mean i i sort of because i was in last year i was like okay this is this is going to be it this is going to be the year that 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 it comes true Mm -hmm. obviously it didn't um i mean they've they've given him more 
in theory, more weapons, more help around there. Uh, right. So it's just a matter of them being functional. Yes. You know, I mean, Galladay is hurt. You, you talk about Kadarius Tony. I mean, even Saquon Barkley doesn't sound super confident in his recovery and his rehab. So it's like, it's three or at least two and a half really important pieces that, that aren't yeah. there right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then if they keep dogpiling on him in practice, then who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I did say I, I played who's more likely to break out with Michelle earlier this week. I want to keep it rolling with you here. So I got uh, four either ors here and want to get your thoughts. In fact, I went uh, all rookies here in this one. So get your okay. thoughts on, on which ones are the most likely to break out. So a quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance, who is the, the the new hotness apparently in San Francisco 49ers camp, uh, or Justin Fields, who's more likely to break out? You think? For me, it has to be Trey Lance. Like I did. This sounds awful coming from me because I live in Ohio, so I have to root for my Ohio <laughs> State guys like coming out. But it just every time I hear something about Trey Lance, it's just nothing but positive. I think he's thrown like one pick uh, so far, like when he's been able to run with the ones. And just the the tantalizing thought of having a mobile quarterback that can also hit on the deep pass in a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's just it's too much, Marcus. It really is for me <laughs> in order to fit because that's what we wanted. Right. We wanted when we heard that they that the San Francisco, the, when the 49ers had traded up to number three, we wanted a guy like either Fields or mm-hmm. Trey Lance to be that pick. Like we, Some folks wanted like where everybody was on the Mac Jones train, but like you want a mobile quarterback to be a part of that offense because we've seen it in the past where Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't getting it done. He might be at least a league average pocket passer, but that doesn't unlock the Shanahan offense. Trey Lance does. Justin Fields would have, but we're stuck. We have Lance. So it's just, that's, that's what I want. That's the key to really for fantasy football as well, because we've known for years on end that the Konami code or having a rushing quarterback is really what unlocks fantasy production at the quarterback position. So if I can get that guy that really has that as both the upside as a, let's say a functional passer, which at the very least we can say Lance has, he also has like the rushing skill. We know that for him coming out of North Dakota state, we do know he has the rushing production as well. And then on top of that, think about the weapons around him, an ascending wide receiver in Brandon. Ayuk. still got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, who even if he's not as good as a, uh, if he's not going to be a great receiving weapon, because I know some folks are down on him as a tight end, as a, a top three tight end at the very least, we know he can block. So Trey Lance, it all intersects at him. All of that production that we hope for the 49ers intersects at him. It's really just a function of when he gets to start. And I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later, to be quite honest. I mean, if you listen to the talk, it does sound like it might be sooner rather than later. Uh, All I know is the 49ers tweeted out a video of Trey Lance throwing a deep ball. And every 49er fan I knew... (laughs) Uh, a ma- just they, they wish they could go back in time and have him throwing that ball to Emmanuel Sanders in the oh, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's got to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah. Uh, where was this a couple of years ago? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, a big spot. So, uh, but that, that'll be interesting to watch. All right, uh, Travis Etienne or Javante Williams? Then the easy answer has to be Travis Etienne. All the reports currently coming out of out of camp in Denver has already asserted Melvin Gordon as the RB1. From a contractual standpoint, completely understand how much they're paying Melvin Gordon. That went like $9 million or something like that. It makes sense that they would at least put him as the figurehead for that rushing attack. We'll see how that changes throughout the season. It could wind up being Javante winds up taking over towards the middle of the season, back in the season, what have you. But Travis Etienne, I don't care what Urban Meyer says about this, I don't know, 
two-headed rotation between him and Carlos Hyde. Get on out of here with that. <laughs> I'm somewhat intrigued by James Robinson, like still mm-hmm. having some sort of role. But if we're already hearing about Travis Etienne still like already working out like as a wide receiver and like uh, boosting those chops in the passing game, we already know like what type of role uh, like that breakaway speed he can have like as a rusher. Him also are already having a connection with Trevor Lawrence. Sign me up for for all of that, and especially in a division that is, I mean, completely wrecked with either injuries or just like mm-hmm. awful situations from the Texans to the Colts, the tight. I mean, it's just it seems like that whole division is right for the taking. And I think the Jaguars are like one of those better long shot bets to wind up winning the division, especially now with the Carson Wentz inj- like, injury. Mm-hmm. So like, give me Travis Etienne for sure in that one. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I I like Javante Williams, but I think you're right. I think at least at the beginning, ETN has a, a easier path to a bigger role uh, in his offense. And I'm very curious just to see what Urban Meyer is going to do between having ETN, having LaVisca Chenault, who I absolutely love. Yes. Uh, and now having Travis uh, Trevor Lawrence there at the quarterback spot. Like he's got a lot of movable, interesting pieces. I'm curious to see what he does with them. I'm also praying that he doesn't go, you know, Sean Payton and start using Tim Tebow in like a oh, in like a gosh. Taysom Hill role. <laughs> or something like that which <laughs> yeah is absolutely awful yeah um so i'm sort of keeping my fingers crossed for that by the way if you're melvin gordon you might be happy that javante williams is there because in the past he keeps ending up in situations with undrafted free agents who keep pushing him for his job right and, and mm-hmm. with the chargers it was austin eckler who kept pushing him and pushing him he gets to dinner yeah. philip Lindsay, who was pushing oh him yes and pushing him. <laughs> so uh, maybe he's happy to have a drafted rookie instead yeah, yeah. Uh, of the guys he had before um okay wide receivers Jalen Waddle or Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore. It has to be. I, I say that because I don't want Harmon coming after me if I were <laughs> to say like Waddle after that. But it has to be Elijah Moore, right? We've already heard about the, I guess, the flexibility or the diversity when it comes to Elijah Moore. They've been lining him up all over the field. X, Z, slot. Doesn't matter. And Moore has been able to shine, whether it's been any of the backup quarterbacks before Zach Wilson like uh, finished his holdout, or now that Wilson has been a part of the fold like, when they're running with the ones. So from a like wide receiver standpoint, I want the guy that has that sort of capability to move across the field different formations operate out of different positions like it like as a wide receiver over the guy that we know for the most part is going to be pigeonholed into the slot Mm. already profiles as that and also on top of that dealing with an injury like as the i mean like the rest of the wide receivers down in miami to the point where heck bird alert heard more about albert wilson (laughs) down in miami as well so it's just i get why folks are excited about jalen waddle in miami with tua downfield passing of being more aggressive on offense 100 behind that but at least for me i want to see or i want to get behind a wide receiver that at least shows that uh, capability of being able to play like multiple positions right out of the gate and more has that in space are you I'm allowing myself to get excited about the Jets. And there's a part of me that's like, don't do it. Like we've been here, you know, like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's Lucy pulling the football away, Right. But like part uh-huh. of me is getting excited about, about what the Jets can be because of Elijah Moore, right. Because of Michael Carter. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I don't know if I'm all in on Zach Wilson yet, but at least he brings something new and he brings kind of a new energy and a new moxie to this team. I mean, they, they signed Corey Davis and I'm curious what he can be. I'm, I'm, I, I may regret this, you know, when we get to like October, November, but right now I'm sort of excited about the Jets. Am I, am I crazy? 
No, yo, if we're talking about Keelan Cole actually being like fantasy relevant in the year of our Lord 2021, <laughs> then uh, we should at least like have like they pay some attention to the Jets, right? But it comes back all the way to to Robert Sala. Like I have to give mm-hmm. him credit on almost instantly turning around a program that has essentially been the laughing stock of the league at the very least the AFC East for the past like few seasons like because he's uh, was it I'll, I'll make a term degasified like the entire <laughs> organization like in seemingly a few months and I, I have to give him credit because we are excited about that passing game whether it's more like Davis like you mentioned I mean the only guy that we really have concerns about is Denzel Mims all but like mm. we'll, we'll see if he can make it we'll see what he can do in his second year but yeah if you install a Kyle Shanahan like system out in like out in New York, that that could be fun, right? Because we've always liked all the pass catchers associated with the 49ers and even like the Falcons before Shanahan came over from there. So it's just why can't they do something similar in New York? And from the sound of it, it looks like they're doing it. Uh, yes or no? Is this the Chris Herndon year finally? No, <laughs> I keep holding on. Man. I, I keep holding on. I mean, Christopher Herndon, the fourth, like this was your year, man. Uh, but he's already like he's already been like sunk on the depth chart as well. So it's yeah. just it's hard for me to get behind. Like <laughs> we'll always have was that one game, that, where, that, <laughs> where, one game like where he flashed and then that's it. That's all we that's got. It. That's all there is. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, all right. Last the uh, last last one. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown or Rashad Bateman. Bateman. I, ha- I think I have to go with Bateman here. Uh, not just because I do think that this one's actually like fairly close to me because from what I'm hearing so far, Amon Ross St. Brown, at least by most reports, is showing like he's going to be their starting slot receiver. I think he might have to battle it out with Khalif Raymond, if I'm not mistaken, who has shown up in decent spots in the past, like when he was still with Tennessee. But with Bateman, with what Marquise Brown, like nursing an injury, uh, and the, what Sammy Watkins is basically the highlight of camp, which is kind of odd to say. Well, actually, take that back. Sammy Watkins shows up during camp, but then when we come to rely on him during the actual like season, and like we yeah, won, you know. it's like, oh, Sammy Watkins heading to the blue 10. Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. I remember this. But no, with Bateman, I uh, actually had a chance to talk with Harmon about this one as well, because I think where Bateman wins on the field, that's where historically Lamar Jackson has been the most inefficient in terms of passing. He wins on those timing routes, those out routes, those curl routes, those dig routes. And that's really where Lamar Jackson struggles. But that's what you need from Lamar Jackson. Because if they wind up falling into the situations where it's like third and five, third and six, or something like that, Lamar Jackson has basically dropped back, scanned the field, everybody's covered, and he has to run like, like, like he has like his hair's on fire. So <laughs> Bateman can be that guy that can create that separation on those routes and help actually converting some of those drives where we're not really relying as much on Lamar Jackson for his legs in order to extend drives. So I think overall, Bateman makes Lamar Jackson a more efficient passer. We're not going to see him ascend to, you know, Aaron Rodgers heights in terms of passing. No, 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 no. That's not what we're expecting. But the very least, it makes him a more accurate passer, makes him a more efficient passer. And that's what at least sustains some of Lamar Jackson's like current value at what QB four, QB three, like somewhere in there. Mm. And, that's where I think like Bateman can really like shine in his rookie season, especially with most of the pass catchers being injured there. Assuming Lamar Jackson gets back to action, since I think he's still on the COVID list, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Mm-hmm. But if that, but if that's the case, then I think he has like the better chance of getting that connection with Lamar Jackson as soon as possible, and then that's what will translate to fantasy production for, at least from week one on. And we're not waiting for him to kind of like catch up, you know, and like wind up being one of those guys that starts to shine towards the middle of the season, kind of like Justin Jefferson from last year. 
Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I just been you know I, I I like Rashad Bateman's talent. I just haven't been able to get excited about him because of the situation mm-hmm. uh, around him. But uh, you know, I, I look, I'm not completely out on him. And I love Amon Ra St. Brown because one, you know, go Trojans. Cool name, but, but uh, cool name, go Trojans. And yep. you know that that fact that uh, you know people keep people keep saying the name Cooper Cup when they talk about uh, Amon Ra. Yeah. Brown, kind of what yeah. kind of what his role can be. Uh, so that that's that. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Before I let you go, I would like to do some rapid fire, kind of fun, not necessarily fantasy related questions. Uh, I know that you, on top of being a fantasy writer and and everything you do, uh, you are an accomplished home brewer. Uh, in fact, you sent me some of your wares not that long ago, which yes, uh, were, were greatly enjoyed. Thank you again so much for that. Um, what is your favorite style of beer to brew? My favorite style of beer to brew is a milkshake IPA. So it's essentially a IPA that uses not really like the bitter type hops, but more of those that have like the fruity aroma, fruity flavor like type hops. And then also you throw in a dash of lactose. So you get that like, you know, that mouthfeel that goes with basically drinking a sundae or something like that. And then on top of that, because I like to I'm like essentially the mad scientist when it comes to making (laughs) beers. I'll throw in some fruit along with it. I'll actually take like literal like chunks of fruit, toss in the keg with it to infuse it with some good flavors. So uh, strawberry, pineapple, uh, I mean, anything like that, I mean, in order to really like bring that fruity aroma and also that flavor along with it. So uh, there's actually a version of that that I'm brewing for a competition that I'm ha- that I'm going to here with the next like actually it's the week after the fantasy football expos okay. uh, so uh, I'll be doing that like t- towards the back end of this month and just I-, I just love it because I know that a lot of folks don't like IPAs in general mm-hmm. it's considered like one of the you know if you like IPAs like you're a, you're a beer snob and all the other stuff <laughs> so I, like while I do like IPAs I'll, I just like taking the style and making it into something that I prefer to drink something that's not as bitter still considered like technically considered an IPA, but just an offshoot of that. And I, I can turn into something that I prefer. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, it sounds great. I, you know what? I, I don't hate IPAs. I think we've just become oversaturated with them. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to trying to branch out. I love a good sour. I'm just saying that's all. I've been getting back into those. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, if you're on the grill, uh, burgers, hot dogs, or chicken, can I take like secret option four and throw sure. like some like throw some ribs or something like that on sure, there? Absolutely. I, I'm into smoking meat. Like so like brisket, pulled pork, ribs, okay. anything like that. That's what I prefer to do. Uh, I've been going into I've been trying to like get more into using like pellet smokers because like I mentioned earlier, I'm an old man. So I can't like stay up for like, you know, 10, 12 hours, like, you know, smoking a, a pork shoulder or something like that. But that's what I prefer doing. I like having those like just like juicy like you know meats like literally falling off the bone like type of thing so if i had the option i would just as rather just throw a you know a few slabs of ribs like out on the smoker and just like wait for those to be done or like i said like brisket or pulled pork something along those lines all right awesome uh okay now you are you are a a resident of ohio uh you're out there in the midwest which is the greatest great lake the greatest Great Lake, it might be, oh man, I'm probably going to get like kicked out of Ohio for this, uh, but I'll say uh, probably Lake Michigan. I know you're oh. not like if you're in Ohio, you're not supposed to talk about the state up north. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Lake Michigan, probably for me, that's just because I mean, where it's at, I mean, it's not too far of a drive, but far enough that you're actually essentially like, I don't know, like out in the wilderness and you can be disconnected from people, especially nowadays, like when we're always going and moving and doing stuff and, you know, stuck to our phones, being able to disconnect and go, you know, for me, it's about a five-ish hour drive. But in order to do something like that, you do actually get a chance to, you know, 
be with your family, talk with other folks like in person versus texting and all that. So that's just my personal preference. We actually just did that uh, early July with my entire family where we got to go out and uh, just be on the lake and you know do a little bit of fishing while you're out there with my dad and all that. So it's just for, that's just my personal preference. All right. Uh, any truth to the rumor that Lake Superior got its name because it has an inferiority complex? I don't know. That's a new one for me. I think <laughs> I, I might have heard that beforehand, but I mean, that I mean, that, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, it's been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it. Um, for folks who don't know where to find your stuff, where, where can they? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. I get a little bit more off-season research to do. So if anybody doesn't know, the FFWX in my name is Fantasy Football Weather. That's how I got into like writing and actually being a like a, I don't know a name in this industry, like quote unquote, if that's even a thing. Oh, but yeah. uh, I've been doing most of that like for the past like few seasons. Uh, so I actually have another piece that should be coming out here soon, talking about like more of the trends that I've seen, the data that I've collected. But if you can't find me on, or if you don't see me on Twitter. Uh, you can find some of my work also at 444, uh, Football Guys, and then also NBC Sports Edge. Beautiful. That is awesome. Uh, continue to your success. Uh, I wish you all the best. And hopefully you and I can can interface in person uh, in Canton, Ohio in a couple of weeks. That'd be great. Yes, sir. I'll be there. Drinks on me. Cool. Sounds awesome. Uh, all right. And for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, why get even when you can get odd? Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Get vaccinated. And we'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.